Shalom, this is Rabbi Thomas Davis Hart, and today I want to talk about the Infallible Retirement Investment Plan. In a time where we're watching our retirement plans and other investments evaporate into thin air, I want to discuss a plan that has long-reaching benefits with no chance of failure or dissolution. This plan is a capital gain without tax and is a spiritual investment of the highest magnitude. For those who want to leave a living legacy that will benefit their children throughout their lives, this plan is for you. However, this plan is not just an option among many others that might be found in a catalog or in Amazon.com. This plan has actually commanded in the Bible as something we must do with not only our children, but any young people with whom we have frequent contact. To be more specific, let's start with Deuteronomy 6.4, which reads, Quote, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Unquote. We'll stop with that verse right here because this is the point I want to make. You shall teach them, that's the words of the Bible, God's word, diligently to your children. Not just casually, not just by mention, but diligently. And what does that word mean? In Hebrew, it means to impress them upon your children. Again, looking at the way the majority of kids are raised today, I'm confident when I say that there are many parents, single or in a nuclear family, who don't have a clue about how to do this or of what benefit all this effort will be as an investment. So, we'll talk about this. In an article entitled Spiritual Investment, Capital Gain, Jay Goldman's describes spiritual capital by illustrating a concept from sociology called social capital. Let's take a woman who moves from LA, for example, to Jerusalem, and now she allows her eight-year-old son to walk his five-year-old sister to school alone. She never would have allowed this in LA. But this new sense of ease, the understanding that adults look out for other people's children, is part of the social capital of Jerusalem. Where did that understanding come from? if not from the way that people have acted toward one another in the past. There are certain actions and experiences based upon a series of shared values that become so ingrained in a society that they ultimately become the accepted norm, even if it's not stated or written down. Similarly, researchers involved in religious education have started speaking about spiritual capital. This is the outcome of the religious interactions between a parent and child or children. Now, this is different from role modeling, which is also important. It also does not assume that the parents are ultra-spiritual. It's about the spiritual interactions between parent and child that take place over a period of time. Spiritual capital seeks, uh, speaks to the extent that parents and children share in a religious home that give it its character and power. And these experiences are the stuff that we remember when we look back on our formative years, the songs, the candle lighting for Shabbat, the emotions, the smells of the foods prepared for religious festivals, these ties are formed by the experiences that create an atmosphere of expectation, belief, and commitment within the home. Just like healthy coping mechanisms learned in childhood, these religious experiences taught and shared in the home are used by children from which to draw strength, information, peace, and continued spiritual growth. 
Indeed, I see the result of split families, unwanted children, and even children of parents who never developed a sense of values or beliefs from their parents. Some of these children are adults, and they're seen more frequently in the medical setting as they seek a drug that will make the pain of the inability to cope disappear. Anti-anxiety medication is sought with fervor by those who never had any hardships from which to develop coping skills, those who never had someone to teach them how to cope with adversity, and those who have no religious value system from which to draw strength, knowledge, or examples found in the Bible. Indeed, secular humanism taught in our schools today does not advocate for a divinity or any type of authority, and that's detrimental to human success and human cope, coping mechanisms. I find that those who have a solid religious background or those who have embraced a system of faith seek medication much less frequently. It should be of no surprise that the creator of us all, God, knew we would need a set of instructions with which we could consult and compare our actions and lives. After all, if one takes a boat out on the ocean with no map or GPS, they will wander aimlessly at the will of the tides and the waves, and so it is with life. I see this in adults and some of the elderly as well. The ultimate instruction manual for conducting our lives and our relationship to God and man is God's Torah, God's instructions, the Bible. God even specifies certain times that are to be remembered and observed together throughout all generations. Many of these are found in Leviticus and are unfortunately thrown out as antiquated or just for the Jews. Most people who say just for the Jews have no idea who a true Jew is. But God's designated times are for anyone who calls themselves a true believer. And God defines a true believer seven times in the book of Revelation as one who carries the testimony of Yeshua and guards the commands of Hashem. In other words, being reconciled to God through Yeshua's sacrifice and his faithfulness, trusting in it, and following God's commands. God gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, and Yeshua elaborated on it. Yes, he did. He elaborated and expanded on it in the refreshed, renewed covenant called, errantly, uh, the New Testament. So these commanded times are to be shared with other believers, and they have not been abrogated at all. Yeshua celebrated them in the so-called New Testament, where does Christianity get off on celebrating Easter and Christmas, which are not in the Bible and are both of pagan origin? Some of these times that we are to celebrate include Shabbat, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, or Pentecost, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. These are the designated times of God that we should be following, and not our own man-made pagan traditions. If you have any questions about this, you can go to our website at rabdavis.org, look under Sermons, Teachings, and Festivals, and you can find numerous articles defining what these particular designated times are about and the pagan history of Christmas and Easter. There's so much more that we can't cover in today's message, but I hope these few verses will at least spark your curiosity. And that is in Exodus 35, 1 and 2, Leviticus 19:30 and Leviticus 23.3 regarding Passover, that's just a few, or Shabbat rather, Passover in Leviticus 23.5, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Leviticus 23.6, 
Shabbat in Leviticus 23:21, Rosh Hashanah in Leviticus 23:23-25, and Yom Kippur 23:26-32, and Sukkot or Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus 33-36. What is key is the sharing of parents and children in religious activities such as the mandated festivals. The very fact that observant families insist that everyone have a meal together on Shabbat and that no one is allowed to miss it unless there are extremely rare circumstances should leave a profound impression on the person's spiritual memory and upon the spiritual capital on which that person will draw upon later in life. These shared activities also impress upon the child the priority to which parents place God in his commands. The consistent teaching and sharing of biblical commands and behavior prepares the child for life as God instructs, not Dr. Spock from many years ago, not the neighbor next door, not the psychologist, or anyone else. God. Children often have questions about religion, theology, and belief, even now. We lose a golden opportunity when we fail to address these questions. We may not always have the answers. But rather than say, I don't know, it's not important, or why don't you ask your teacher or rabbi, a better response would be, I don't know. Let's ask the rabbi or the preacher or the teacher together. This type of response demonstrates true interest in the child's questions and the fact that questioning is an important part of learning, or both. Social issues, moral issues, and current events should also be discussed so that the child may learn how his faith and religious beliefs may be incorporated into daily life. Responding religiously to life circumstances also lays the spiritual groundwork that leaves its mark upon the child's religious development. When tragedy strikes, do we respond in a humanistic secular way or the way of a true believer? Do we thank God for every breath and every day? life every trial that we may be taught and strengthened are we grateful for our provisions for daily life or are we to ever expect more and more and pout when we don't get our way such spiritual capital is not only developed in the home it's important to go to your religious institution together with children where a nuclear family exists, it's important for both parents to go. Parents, either father and mother, or single parents who believe that missing Shabbat services are not a big deal, are instilling a sense in their children that God and his commands are a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. We see this so much today, and it's truly a tragedy. Gotta watch the game. Go to the flea market, the festival, go out to eat, mow the lawn, anything except going to religious service. All of these excuses for not honoring the Sabbath will be before your eyes when you stand before God one day. What excuse can be offered then? Had to go to the PTA meeting? Homeowners Association meeting? What did we do? We have to go uh, buy something at a craft sale? Visiting the sick on the Sabbath? Cleaning the house before Shabbat? Taking the 24 hours of the Sabbath to rest and go to our place of worship can make more of an impact than any ball game flea market, home meeting, or trip to Disney. 
It's a strong Jewish belief, and that of true believers in general, that children remain in the synagogue for services and not be placed in a nursery. Why? Because the children observe much more than one can imagine, and the simple fact of sharing the Sabbath, worshipping with parents, makes a lasting impression. What good is it to separate children from their parents and send them to a babysitter for an hour or so? Hebrew children start their training at three years old. Is it any wonder they're so adept at Hebrew prayers and keeping the commands by the time they're 12 or 13? What else does God have to say about teaching the words of Torah to our children and sharing our faith with them besides Deuteronomy 6.4? Let's look at a few other verses. Deuteronomy 11.19 rephrases chapter 6 verse 4. Quote, teach them carefully, that's the words of God's Torah, to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you're traveling on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, and write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates, so that your children will live long in the land. Adonai swore to your ancestors that he would give them for as long as there is sky above the earth. Unquote. In Deuteronomy 32:46, Moshe is telling the people that God had instructed him, quote, Take to heart all the words of my testimony against you today, so that you can use them in charging your children to be careful to obey all the words of this Torah. For this is not a trivial matter for you. On the contrary, it is your life. And there's an exclamation point after that. In Psalms 4.1, God instructs the children, quote, Listen, children, to a father's instruction. Pay attention in order to gain insight, unquote. Ephesians 6.1 says, quote, Children, what you should do in union with the Lord is obey your parents, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that embodies a promise so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land, unquote. And then the fathers are told, quote, don't irritate your children and make them resentful. Instead, raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance, unquote. How about that? Again, we see the word discipline. And this does not mean a mental timeout in the corner expecting a five-year-old to understand the concept of punishment. We see in this passage both discipline this judgment, and guidance, grace. Grace is not what's being taught in much of Christianity today. It's not an umbrella to sit under and bask in what is perceived as license to do whatever we want and label it as freedom in Christ. We are to teach our children God's laws, his instructions, that apply to all true believers and live them as we share them. You see, the observant believer's life is the same as their life in society. We don't turn our faith on and off. We're ever thinking of God and his commands as we wear our teeth seat outside of our clothing in some uh, uh, locations, some neighborhoods and uh, some cultural uh, places where the traditional Jews live. We attend a synagogue several times during the week in some locations. And we incorporate God's instructions in everything we do, regardless of location. The blessings we say in the morning remind us as we arise that God has blessed us with another day to honor him by our actions and not trying to find out what can be done for me. It's all about me. No, it's all about God. Think about it. When a child sees a father abusing the mother, how many of these children turn out to be spouse abusers? After all, this is seen as normal in the eyes of the child. What about children who are abused? Many of them turn out to be abusers of their own children. Many join gangs in rebellion 
for attention or for a sense of belonging. Children need borders, as do adults. You won't see this kind of thing in old Jerusalem because these Jews take God's command seriously. Again, in Colossians 3.20, God commands, quote, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord, unquote. Fathers, don't irritate your children and make them resentful, or they will become discouraged, unquote. We must understand that God intends for families to be of the type consisting of a mother and father, save lost by death. Fathers are typically the side of justice, and mothers the side of grace. A child then receives a balanced upbringing in the ways of God. This flies in the face of what's being advocated and stuffed down our throats today under the name of tolerance and inclusion. This is not of God's Bible. It is not biblical. This is assuming the parents are Torah observant, by the way. Unfortunately, anything goes today as far as family structure, and we're seeing this in the result of our children. We're seeing how these children are, are being brought up. I won't go any further into this right now because that's not the crux of the message. However, what we are seeing in today's society is not of God. Many parents are not investing spiritually in their own lives or the lives of their children as God has commanded, and our social morals are now at an all-time low. It should be no, no surprise when we watch the news and see how crime is increasing when we defund the police department. But it goes deeper than that. It's because children are not being taught that there is an authority, that authority is universal, and we are expected that if we're going to live in dad's house, we follow dad's rules. Many children expect everything to be given to them without any effort on their part. In part, this is not their fault. Remember the Depression era. When people came out of that, and after World War II, when they said, I want to give my child everything I never had. That is not a favor. God says you don't work, you don't eat. These people feel they're entitled to anything and everything and that society owes them. Unfortunately, many parents give their children on command to keep them from rebelling or to keep them distracted or quiet while the parent gets involved in their own thing. Families don't eat meals together. They don't spend time talking together or learn or share God's commands for living. And this is extremely sad, and we're starting to pay for it today in all the calamities that are occurring worldwide. And this was prophesied thousands of years ago. When I see a family who is Torah observant, I thank God for them. The children know their boundaries, as do their parents, and the children are happy. They're all involved with each other and each demonstrates through their behavior an understanding of their value to the family as well as that of their siblings. The common denominator is God's instructions, and the entire family is in sync with these instructions because the parents are role models for the children, and the children are all involved in the religious observance of the parents as the parents teach them. Indeed, God promises this in Psalms 128, quote, How happy is everyone who fears Adonai, who lives by his ways. You will eat what your hands have produced. You will be happy and prosperous. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the inner parts of your house. Your children around the table will be like shoots from an olive tree. Unquote. This is the kind of blessing that will fall on him who fears Adonai. 
I close by encouraging you to make an investment in a retirement plan that will not go bankrupt, will not dissolve into thin air as we've seen today with 401ks and other annuities and such. If you want the security that only God can give, you must follow his instructions out of love. There's no fine print, no high risk to chance. The return is over and above everything you can imagine and only requires following God's instructions and teaching your children to do the same. As you make investments in your child's education or any other aspect of life, take heed that the success of that education is found not only in the financial capital set aside, but more importantly, the spiritual capital we create in our homes and in the lives of our children every day. Shalom.